Okay, good morning. I want to thank our sponsors for the Amunah class this morning, Dvorah Navi Orlan, in memory of their beloved daughter, Miriam Esther Bas Avram Yitzchak, and Asher and Beam Jacobs, in appreciation of the class. It says here, from listeners from New York. Oh, wow. Thank you in New York. Hopefully you're staying warm. Oh, wow. An applause for the listeners in New York. And as chus for a full shlema for Alexander Zisha ben Aliza, and Rafael Chaim Dov ben Risa Shoshana, who should have a speedy and painless recovery. Amen. We are uh, in the middle of studying a piece by Revolbe. We're in Ale Shor, the great Mashkiach of Yushalayim. Is Ale Shor, Chelek Beis, Marecha Shlishis, Perak Shishi, which is about Hishtadlis and Bitachon. The relationship between effort and, and emuna. And we've been discussing, and we've talked about it many times in many contexts, this balance, the tension between when do I sit back and say it's on Hashem's hands and when do I take my initiative and say I'm in control. And the attitude and philosophy that we're meant to live with, which is daven like it's all up to Him, but act as if it's all up to you. It's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. When we work, when we make our initiative, when we take action, we do it. We don't do it haphazardly. We don't do it half-heartedly. We do it with all of ourselves as if it all depends on us. But at the same time, when we're davening, at the same time, when we're ready to accept the consequences of the results of whatever it is we're working towards, we do so with the acceptance that it is all up to, it's all up to Hashem. Okay, so we are on page Tav Kuf Tzadi Zion. It has been so long since we met, I don't even remember what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I remember what we're talking about. No, no, I remember, I remember now. Okay, Revolba developed the following fantastic idea. Okay, I'm just looking at this. Of course, for Futner, Revolba was developing the idea of Adam in Gan Eden, man in the Garden of Eden, whose punishment for listening to his wife was that, <laughs> that uh, he had to work. It goes against yesterday, what I said. And I had to make up for yesterday. He has to go work in order to, in order to derive income, in order to sustain himself. Man has to go exert effort. Man has to go work. This is the Kalala. And if you remember, Evolba developed the idea that um, rather than everything intermingled and rather than everything synthesized as one, good and bad, but now man had to live discerning. There's nothing more discerning than when you extract this uh, food from the ground. You have to take the good from the bad. And that's, if you look at the uh, top paragraph, let's just uh, review it as we summarize and transition into this week. Man, essentially, the whole lifestyle, the whole design of the world was changed. That now man had to work in order to derive an income. Hashem put man in a very difficult, uh, challenging circumstance. On the one hand, when we work hard and when we succeed, we derive great joy, great satisfaction, great fulfillment from it. So let's say you brilliantly knew last week to short the market, and you were ahead of everyone else. You were a, uh, you were a reader, you were a prophet, you presciently decided, I'm going to short the market. So when you made a ton of money last week because you shorted the market, so you have a right to say, you know what, that feels pretty good. Everyone else was going along. Everyone thought there was a small correction. It's going to come back at the end of the year. It's going to bounce back. But I knew it wasn't. I knew it was going to plummet. The bottom would come out. And so I'm pretty proud of my thinking and I'm proud of my courage and my guts to pull the trigger. On the one hand, nenem yigir kapav. Right? On the one hand, there's a pleasure, there's a satisfaction that comes from the success of our effort. Yigir kapav means more literally, you know, if I'm a ditch digger, if I'm a water carrier, if I'm uh, the sweat of my brow, if I work very hard and I, I see the results of my hard work. You know, sometimes one can be envious of people who work with their hands, they more immediately see the results. 
you watch the workers who are putting on a new roof next door, building the house or the extension, and you see that, you know, last month that wasn't there, and now there's a room. There wasn't a roof, now there's a roof. Yigiyah kapov, there's a geshmak, there's a certain pleasure or satisfaction when you see, you worked hard on something, and there it is. I succeeded. The Gemara says, you would prefer even a smaller quantity, but is the result of your hard work, than if someone gifts you a lot more. Because the fact that we put in the effort, we had the initiative, it took insight, time, energy, resource, that is all an investment in it that yields a sweetness that we derive from it. I think last time when we spoke about this, we talked about Rav Dessler's the notion that love is the result of giving, not getting. Parents love children more than children love parents. So when we make an effort, we talked about it, the Pasuk says, three people exempt from war, plant a vineyard, build a home, marry a woman. A woman is not like a grape or, or a house. But what it means is, there are three examples where you gave a piece of yourself, you invested, you built a bridge from yourself to something else, and you didn't yet reap the benefit of it. So that individual is exempt from war. So, so too over here, Rav Volb is describing the sweetness. The danger is you look and you say, huh, God creates, I create. He built the world, I built the house. God's smart, I'm smart. I need, to, I need to short the market. Look how much money I made. And you can start to think that you're in control, that you're in charge. But the truth is that a strong wind can knock down your house. And the truth is that you can bet or predict incorrectly on the market and lose your pants. The truth is that Baruch Hu is in charge. So in Gan Eden, Adam, Adam Arishan wasn't challenged with this tension. He knew he wasn't in control. How did he know? Because he went to an all-you-can-eat buffet. He had everything handed to him. <laughs> Gan Eden was just, there was no effort, there was no work, there was no initiative, there was no income. So true, he lost out on the satisfaction of working. But he also didn't have the tension with thinking, the arrogance of confusing that he was in control. He knew he forfeited his control to Hashem. He gave Adam a new lifestyle which would help repair and correct the mistake that he made. So this is our mission, this is our challenge to go through every day. In other words, we shouldn't say, oh, there's this horrific philosophical conundrum that has no solution. I told you what uh, Rav Arush told me, Basar B'chalav. You know, Heshtablis is, is kosher, and Bechir uh, Chavsh, and Amun uh, is kosher, but you mix the two, you get Basar B'chalav. He says, don't think of it that way. Think of it as, this is Mida Keneged Mida. Hashem gave this to us as our challenge. That I stop and I think and I contemplate and I struggle with, what am I supposed to be doing right now? So this is our mission, this is our challenge, and it comes up every single day. Now it doesn't come up every day like, it's five o'clock, should I go home because I put in enough work, and it's up to Hashem now, or should I work harder because it's up to me? I don't think people think about it in that way, maybe we should, but we think about it all the time, and I'll give you a simple example that when it happened, I knew I wanted to share it in this shir. All my stories come from flying and traveling. So, so I flew back from, I was in Israel last week for a couple of days for a magnificent wedding, and I flew back on a flight from Israel through Newark Airport here. So for whatever reason, when the flight was made, it was like the most miserable, challenging time to fly of the entire year 
in anticipation of this uh, wonderful week. So when, I, when, the, when the flight was originally made, it was done. It was united through Newark, and it was Newark to Miami. Now, for Lauderdale and West Palm weren't options. The second half of that flight had to be through to Miami. They couldn't change it for whatever reason, and it was with a fairly long layover. So I knew that when the moment I landed in Newark, I would run to the desk and see if at that point they could try to get me onto another flight. So I ran to it. First of all, it was aggravating. I'm not going to take time. I want to learn Torah with you. But it was aggravating because when we landed, I had my eye on this. We landed at like 5, and there was a 6.05 flight to Fort Lauderdale. That was what I had my eye on. I had no luggage. Let me run, see if they could switch me to that. But of course, we sat at the gate for like half an hour after a 14-hour flight before I got off the plane. Hashem, it's all up to you. It's no problem. For whatever reason, Hashem wants me to be sitting... Sitting up. I can't tell you what the shear does for me. You think I give the shear for you. I give the shear, I give the shear for me because, because I preach about this weekly, how could I not live it? So uh, I'm in these circumstances where I'm ready to lose my cool. I have no choice but to breathe deep and say, okay, Einod Milvado, it's up to Kosh Baruch In fact, I texted like 10 times in a row, Einod Milvado, to, uh, to my wife. So, fine. I got off, ran to the gate. Guy at the gate couldn't get on the 605. There was another flight to Fort Lauderdale. Every flight was not only booked, but was oversold with waiting lists. Oh, so I said, you got to get me on this Fort Lauderdale. Well, no, I can't. There's nothing. Ah, oh, it opened. There's a seat. I'm switching you. Then he looks up and he says, uh-oh. So what's uh-oh? He said, I took you off the Miami one so I could switch you to the Fort Lauderdale one. But by the time oh, I got back to the Fort Lauderdale oh, screen, the gone. seat's now gone. So now you're on no flight. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Shechter was at my house. I hadn't seen my family all week. Oh. I wanted to be home for Shabbos. Enod Milvado, Enod Milvado, Kosh Baruch wherever you want me, whatever you want from me, this isn't my control, there's nothing I can do. Okay, then he looked up, he said, okay, good, got it back open, I got you on, you're on the Fort Lauderdale. Oh, I was so happy, I was so proud, I took initiative, I took Bechir Chashis, I went to the desk, I, I saw his name tag, used his name, was very friendly, got him to put in the extra effort, and he switched me to the Fort Lauderdale flight. I was so proud of myself that now I'd get home earlier and have less of a drive home when I landed. I'd see my family. I'd get a decent night's sleep. Brilliant. Initiative. Human initiative. Bechir Chavshis, right? Not so brilliant. Because as I walked away from his desk, I got the text alert, your flight to Fort Lauderdale has been delayed. I'll fast forward because I want to get back to our learning, but I'll just fast forward that my flight to Fort Lauderdale took off after the flight from Miami landed. 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 I walked into my house at 4 a.m. So what's my point? My point is, as I was sitting there waiting for that new flight, which, by the way, as we got to the gate, because the incoming flight finally arrived, we were finally about to board at 12.15. They said, actually, nobody could board because the engineers need to go on the mechanics because there's a mechanical problem. Oh, and I was okay. Milvado. I had a lot of Einod Milvado that yeah. night. Einod Milvado. Yeah. So why am I sharing all this right now? Because I sat there saying to myself, did I do the right thing by trying to outsmart the system and go to Fort Lauderdale? Or maybe Hashem knew what he was doing originally when he made the ticket book to Miami because the Kodesh Baruch Hu knows what he's doing. And I was meant to go to Miami. I would have been home in bed, sound asleep. True, a little bit more of a drive home, but home asleep, not 4 a.m. And I was second guessing, did I take the initiative? Was that the mistake? These are the moments, and I don't have an answer, because if it would have worked else? out the Fort Lauderdale, right. I'd say I'm such a genius. <laughs> Everyone else, so passive, thinks it's up to Hashem. Hashem wanted me to take the initiative and go get on the Fort Lauderdale. So you only know after the fact whether what you did was right or wrong. You don't get to True. see it ahead of time. You only learn it in retrospect. My point is, it's really complicated. It's really complicated. <laughs> I'm still stuck not knowing. 
should I have gotten there and said, I don't know why I'm on the Miami, but that's where Hashem put me. So leave it. Don't be such a knocker. You got to walk up there and switch your flight. That's where Hashem wanted you on the Miami. Leave it. Should I have done that? Did I make a mistake? Did I do this to myself by taking over initiative and trying to change something? Yeah. Or should I have said, Miami's inconvenient, but clearly it made no sense. So it must have been from Hashem for a reason. I don't know. I don't know. Nor do I know how it will influence the next time I have to make this same decision. But I'll tell you what's good and healthy is that I'm thinking about that. That's what's yeah, healthy. And that's the result of, of our learning together, is to be thinking about that tension. So that tension exists in every which way. How much initiative and how much do I sit back and say that's from Hashem? When do I say I need to be assertive, I need to influence, I need to assert myself? And when do I say, I'm not sure why it's this way, it's not the idea way I'd want it, but this is from Hashem. And I don't have a clear answer. There are no clear parameters. Every situation is different. Every person is different. Every circumstance is different. But the one parameter I'm trying to provide is to be thinking about it in that way. Not to always take over initiative. Not to be such a kanaka who's trying to manipulate every situation and think you're in control and think you can you know, bob and weave and, and change every situation in life and you're in control of everything. And on the other hand, not to be so passive that you're a schlepper and a nice varf and stepped on and taken advantage of and you walk through life where the whole world walks on you because you think it's a munabitachon, but really it's a cop-out. You just you have uh, no self-esteem and you're insecure. and It can't be either extreme. Our mission is to find that balance. And it's a mission, says Revol, but that's by design. The Ribbon Shalom is trying to teach us how do we live with the satisfaction of our accomplishment but also never thinking it's up to us, is that our destiny post-Gan Eden is to live this life of tension between when is it my initiative, excuse me, and when is it, and when is it up to Hashem. Me'ata, let's go back to learning Torah. Me'ata is boning. I have more travel stories, but another time. Me'ata is boning betiv So now we have to contemplate and think about what is the avoda, the good of the avoda to inject bitachon into all of our activities and our actions. How much is too much and how much is enough? How much do I have to take initiative because I'm responsible, I have to take extreme ownership over my life? And how much extreme ownership means I did what was reasonable, but now I have to let go and let God. Pasuk says, No Hashem in all of your ways. Pasuk in Mishlei. So Rabbeinu Yona says there the following quote. In every action, Paul means every action, every activity, everything you're about to do. You're going to the gym, you're going shopping, you're making a potato cocoa. You're about to short the market, you're going long on the market. You're about to be a lawyer, a doctor, a rabbi. Whatever you're doing in life, you're interacting with your children, with their teachers. Whatever you're doing in life, wherever you're going, you're making your plane ticket, you're switching your plane ticket. Whatever you're doing, what it means, no Hashem, in all of your paths, in all of your journeys, in all of your ways, know Him, there is an invitation for Him to be by your side. Let me put it to you differently. What the Torah wants from us is that when you're walking by that, when you're walking to the counter, coming off the Israel segment, to say, Hashem, what do you think? Should I try to switch to Fort Lauderdale, leave it in Miami? He is your companion. He is our friend. He is our mate. He is our spouse. He is our parent. He's with us everywhere we go. So instead of running out the same way that if you're traveling with someone, you're close to a family member, a close friend, you'd say, no, what should we do? What do you think? Should we try to switch it? Should we leave it? What do you think? You would think it out and think it through with that confidant, companion, friend, family member, 
Kaddish Baruch Hu is all of that and more. So wherever we're going and whatever we're doing, think it out with him. You know what I learned that from? This pastor. It's an evangelical pastor who we work with on pro-Israel things. Actually, we're going to be pleased God in January. Ambassador David Freeman is going to come speak. And it's, we're doing it in conjunction with his, his, uh, pro-Israel, his pro-Israel group. So some, I've been with him where we're trying to decide about something that we're working on. And he'll say, yeah, I've said this before. I'll say, let's pray on it. Let's ask God. So as a Jew, you're like, what? That's weird. And then you're like, wow, that's actually what we're supposed to be doing. And you got that from us. That comes from us. So Bechol Durachacha De'eo means pray on it. Everything you're doing, pray on it. I don't mean, you know, you have to like spread out a carpet and kneel down. And I don't mean you have to stop and say words. And I don't mean you have to look up and make hand gestures. But I mean, the same way you would turn to your friend, your family, your companion, you'd say, no, what do you think? Should we try to switch the flight? Should we leave it? What do you think? What do you think we should do? What do you think about the stock market? Should we go long? Should we go short? What do you think? Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? To hold Rachel means everywhere you go and everything you do, ask Hashem, what do you think? What do you think? Bring it. Now, sometimes you may even hear him. I don't mean literally, then you need to get that checked out. But I mean, you may hear him that something will become clear. There'll be a sign, something will become clear, something will unfold. But you say, thank you, Hashem. You've weighed in. I take it that that means leave it. Or I take it that means do it. Most often, you won't hear him. But nevertheless, the act of inviting him into the conversation is valuable. How many friends do we have where we talk out something with them, where they actually offered us zero value? They said nothing that actually was of value. But the fact that they were the, the, the ear that allowed us to talk out the issue was of inestimable value. It was incredible value because they enabled us to talk it out and we trusted them to talk it out. We trusted that they had no bias, had no ulterior motive, that they weren't judging us, that they were good listeners. And that's an amazing value to us in its own right. So that's live life that Hashem is that friend, confidant, spouse, family member who you could talk out anything with and talk it out with him. And even though he may or may not talk back in a way you can hear, but just talking it out, well, first of all, it is contributing to closening the relationship with him because you feel much closer to the person that you've talked it out with, even if they didn't say anything that was of great value. But you've trusted them, you've confided in them, you talked it out with them, they were there for you, they gave the time, they were a good listener, you feel closer. So that's how we feel closer to Hashem. But more than that, more than that, we've involved Him. We have satisfied this tension that we're supposed to be living with between Heshtadlas, between effort, Bechir Chavshet's free will, and Amuna and Bitachon on the other hand. Bechol Durachacha Ne'odayu. Bechol Poel, in every act, Ask Hashem, the Kaveh love. Put your hope in Him, your trust in Him. Ask Him for help and success. Because the result is not in your hands. The result is not in your hands. Now, by the way, just as a aside, I'll tell you my mistake. There are apps now where you can check flights, where you can see the incoming flight. I was in Moron. The whole half hour at the gate. Correct. The whole flight at the gate. I should have been on, while I was sitting at that gate waiting to get off, I should have been looking at that app to see the Fort Lauderdale, Miami, which plane is here, which one is delayed coming in. Total amateur move. I'm embarrassed. But now, now, I know it doesn't, it's no excuse. No excuse, no excuse. No excuse. Gaydage should have known. Anti-Semite. He should have known, but it was a total amateur move on my part. It was an amateur move on my part. But now here's where Amun Abitachon kick in also, which is... There's no looking back. I could have spent the five hours delay beating myself up, but the Amun Abitachon now kick in that says, my brain was suspended, it was an amateur move. Clearly that was from Hashem that I acted like an idiot. 
Right? In other words, for whatever reason, I was meant. I won't make the mistake again. But also, for whatever reason, that was meant to be. In other words, when we do something that, even that, that's also part of the tension. Well, what do you mean? Do I blame Hashem now? But that was my initiative. But maybe Hashem intervened to have me take that initiative because that brought about the result that really came from Hashem. These are questions that have no answers and that will just give you a migraine. But it's good to think about them. It's good to be thinking about them because that's how we, again, work out the Amuna muscle. That's how we feed the Amuna, the Amuna appetite. That's how we grow the Amuna is to be thinking about, to be thinking about these things. So, but it's really, really important to never look back to be able to say, I'm looking forward. I'm not going to beat myself up. Because this, at some point, even when it was your own mistake, you have to say, I'm going to learn from it going forward, but I'm not going to beat myself up. And I'm not going to marinate and stew in that mistake. I'm not going to perseverate, what's the word? In that mistake, because then what? And was, that's, that's like, equally, I've, I've forfeited the Amun Bitachon to the point that I'm, I'm beating myself up. So Rabbeinu Yonah says this pasuk of b'chol derechacha de'eyu is an extension of the pasuk trust in Hashem with all your heart. So you have we've talked about this. You got big talkers, lip service, and muna bitachon people. They subscribe to every Amunah Bitachon, WhatsApp and email and Sheer, and they've got bumper stickers and they've got little uh, all over their house and everything they say is Hashem, Baruch Hashem, and they're big Amunah all day long, shuckling to Amunah, 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 and then they go to business where they're ruthless and they act like it all depends on them, or they lose their cool because they're angry at what someone else did without realizing it's from Hashem. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, you can have a lot of Amunah as lip service, you can have Amunah in the abstract and theory, but it's lacking in every action. That's why it says Al Kain Amar Bechol Derachecha Deeyu Perush Bechol Prate Maasecha Bechol Derachu Peula Zachreyu Vashev Ali Becha Ki Elu Chakach Vicholus Bepol Ahu Veinenu Biyadcha Rak Biyad Hashem Etalu Bachad Dikvasecha Vitzpiyasecha LeChesed Hashem Yisbarach. It's an amazing insight of Rabbeinu Yona. Why do they have the redundancy? First, it says trust in Hashem with all your heart. Then it says know Hashem in all of your ways. Why the redundancy? Because you can have a break between the two. You could trust in Hashem in your heart. But that trust in your heart never comes out to your hands. <laughs> it never comes out to your actions. Yeah. It never comes out papoel, to the reality and the choices that you make. So if someone sits you down and says, are you a maimon? Do you have bitachon? Ooh, I'm the biggest maimon. I have so much bitachon. You never saw someone with so much bitachon. can imagine how much bitachon I have. I have the most bitachon in my heart. Good. So why did you lose your cool in traffic? And why are you ruthless when it comes to business? And why did you yell at your kid because the thing turned out whatever when it really was from Hashem? You can have it all in your heart. You can have it all in theory. But does it filter down? Does it make its way from the heart to the hands, to the actions, to the whole derachecha? An amazing insight from Rabbeinu so some people look at Hashem for the big things, right? So if there's an enormous Hashem, bring world peace. Hashem, I'm, I've got to cross the sea. I've got to do some enormous task, and I know I can't do it without you. Some enormous, I was going to say Hail Mary pass, but that's probably inappropriate <laughs> in this context. But some enormous wishful thinking, big project, 
where it's unlikely to succeed. So then they can turn to Hashem for that. But again, when it comes to the little things, they forget to turn to and to mention Hashem. If you really think, you know what? I'm going to give you a petty, stupid example. Whether this potato kugel comes out well or not is up to Hashem. I can put in all the ingredients and I put it in the oven the right amount of time and I heated the oil before I poured it into the potatoes. I can do all the things right, use all the little tricks of the trade, but... Whether it works out or not, it's up to Hashem. So you understand, I mean, you read the, you know, if you read the Rebetzin Machos book or Rebetzin Kanievsky book, uh, yeah. you see that they lived, the part that's inspiring to me is Bechol Durachecha Da'eyu. Every potato kugel came with a little tefillah. Hashem let the potato kugel work out. Hashem let there be no traffic. Hashem let this drusha flow, let me find the right words. Hashem let this difficult conversation go smoothly. Hashem let this business deal succeed. Hashem, everything. Everything. Hashem, I'm putting on my pants. Let me not trip and bang my nose. Hashem, let me... Okay, let's not... We don't have to debilitate ourselves by going crazy, but the person is b'chol durachecha. B'chol durachecha. A little tefillah. Certainly when it comes to big things, let's pray on it. Let's ask Hashem. He's my companion. No, Hashem, what do you think? Trying to decide a big thing? Where should I send my kids to school? Where should I send my kids to camp? How should I punish my child if I'm concerned? How should I reward my child? What should I do about... Do we ever stop and say, no, Hashem, what do you think? (laughs) What do you think? Let me talk it out with you. I want to feel like you're in this room with me. You're in the room. Parent-teacher conferences should be parent-teacher Hashem in every conference. I want Hashem, you're in the room. You're in the conversation. So there are people who all the Amun and Bitochem is in their heart and it never comes out to the world of action at all. We saw that when we studied the Chazanish. We talked about the businessman who's in shul shuckling like a madman saying pitamak taras from a cloth and the talus is over his and he's got the longest shimon esrei he's got all the amun bitachon and he's doing all the schools and all the tricks and then he leaves the shul and he becomes a new person he goes to business where because he's got a competitor he's ruthlessly trying to destroy the competitor and said the chazanish such a person has no amun bitachon because you would realize because Baruch wants you to be a zillionaire you'll be a zillionaire with a hundred competitors and if you have a Muna Bitachon, you walk across the street to the competitor and you say, Welcome to town. Mazel Tov on opening your store. Do you need any help? Can I help you? You want to know the names or numbers of any of my distributors or advertisers? or How can I help you? That's an extreme example. But if you really have a Muna Bitachon, you're willing to help your competitors because you realize your success is from Hashem. So the Chazanish there described the people who have crazy Amuna in their heart. And when push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, there's no Amuna, there's no Bitachon whatsoever. So that's one extreme. Then you have the people who have a lot of emunah bitachon when it comes to the big things. Ooh, Hashem, make world peace. Hashem, I have a friend who's very sick and I need you and only you. But when it comes to their own lives and their own decisions and their own things and their own success, then there's no Hashem. The real mission says, Rabbi, this is all Rabbi Yonah. Rabbi Yonah of Grona lived in the, lived in the uh, 12th century, I think. Medieval commentary, Rabbi Yonah. So Rabbi Yonah here on this Pasuk in Mishlei. Bechol First, is the Pasuk of Abitachon, Becholi Becha. In all of your heart, trust in Hashem. Good. It's in your heart. You've worked it out. You're not an atheist. You're not an agnostic. You don't think we're here by chance. You don't think we're here. Good. You've worked it out. It's in Libecha. It's in your heart. You really believe there's a first cause. There's a greater being. There's a, you really believe there's a Hashem. Good. That's the first step. The second step is Bechol Now, is that coming out in your life? Do you confide in Him? Is He in the room? Is He part of the conversation? Do you pray to Him? Do you thank Him for the big things? And for the small things, the potato kugel. Says Ravolba, this insight of Rabbeinu Yonah is clear. It doesn't need to be elaborated or elucidated. But let me add to it the insight of Rabbeinu Bachaya, also a medieval commentary, who in his Chovas Halavavas writes the following. 
a person has to, just like when it comes to life or death, we know it's not in our hands. We understand when it comes to the big thing. Right? We understand. The, the couple struggling with infertility understand that they're davening from the depths of their heart. Im ayin mesa anochi, said Rachel. Right? They're davening from the depths of their heart. They know. I went to the fertility lab and I spent $40,000 and I took the shots and I did everything. But whether we can have a healthy child is up to Hashem. They know it. And the person on the other side who has some loved one in an end-of-life situation in hospice or, or who's in a terminal situation knows they're davening to Hashem. Will there be another hour? Will there be another day? Will there be another month? When it comes to Mavis V'chaim, Chaim V'mavis, says Rabbi Nebachia, we know and we pray and we feel. But what about the other things, the small things? Hamazon, Hamalba, Shadira. What about our food and our clothing and our apartment? Do we understand also that that too is from Hashem? It's not just the big, enormous things, life or death. So if somebody says to you, hey, I love your dress, where'd you get it? What should be your answer? Hashem. From Hashem. <laughs> Not Nordstrom's or Lord & Taylor or Marshall's or wherever you go shopping. Target, I don't know, wherever you go shopping. Where'd you get the... I understand. So you can tell them afterwards. Where'd you get the dress? It's from Hashem. Oh, Hashem allowed me to get it at whatever. Oh, oh the house, the apartment, the house, the apartment, the food... And again, I'm not telling you to, to be a weirdo among your friends, but I'm saying, <laughs> if your friends all do it, you're not a weirdo. And halavai, we can introduce all of us doing this, because what an incredible level. But says Rabbeinu Bachya, Amuna bitachon, again, it's not internal, it's not theoretical, it shouldn't just be in the heart. It's got to be, and it shouldn't just be an action when it comes to the things that clearly we all concede we have no part of. Life and death, we can all clearly concede that we don't control. But what about the things we think we do control? our money, our food, you know, and so on and so forth. Someone compliments your potato cook, you say, thank you, Hashem, help me make it. He was in the kitchen with me, help me make it. Somebody compliments you on the drusha, thank you, Hashem, help me write it. He was in my office when I was writing a drusha, and I asked him for help, and he helped me write it. Somebody compliments you on the legal case you closed, or the surgery you successfully performed. Thank you, Hashem was in the operating room, Hashem was in the courtroom, in the boardroom with me. Hashem helped me invest in the stock. Not just when it comes to the enormous things, and not just in our heart. He says, just like the farmer. You understand the Torah was designed as part of an agricultural system. And the farmer lives with this. And he can't avoid it. Because the farmer knows that they depend on the rain, the weather. They depend on avoiding the pestilence and the hurricane and the tsunami and the earthquake. Every single day they live with that. They could never confuse. Now, yeah, do they put in backbreaking labor to plow, plow and to plant and to harvest and the winnow and all the 11 steps getting from planting wheat to eating bread. So the farmer deserves to take pride in the backbreaking labor of the wonderful harvest that they, that they yielded this year. But the farmer lives with that satisfaction every day knowing that it's from Hashem. And just because we've become a non-agricultural society doesn't mean that any less we should be thinking, feeling His presence in every aspect of our lives and our success. So we have to stop taking credit, stop getting overjoyed or too much satisfaction, but realize that there's a partnership. 
In everything we do, there's a partnership and there's a newsflash. We are the junior partner, not the senior partner. We think we did the heavy lifting, we spent the most time, we risked the most money. Whatever we're doing in life, we are the junior partner. We are the junior partner. The one who determines its success is the Ribbon Shalom. He is the senior partner. Wow, what an effort, says Ravobi. If you combine this Rabbeinu Yonah and this Rabbeinu Bechaya, they're both talking about that tension between effort and initiative on the one hand and trust in Hashem on the other. We have to find the balance of the two. They have to complement one another. Put in our effort and derive the satisfaction from it, but at the same time, we have to, at the same time, turn to Hashem and realize He is the, he is the senior partner. That's what Hensha is saying. We take a year off, Shemitah. Seventh year, the farmer says, you know what, this year I'm going to have zero income. I'm not working at all. It doesn't belong to me at all. And I'm going to rely on Hashem. On the one hand, we're commanded, you can't just sit back on your couch. You can't sit at home and say, entitlement. Hashem is going to provide. Hashem is going to provide. I was, uh, somebody texted me from, from New York area and uh, asking for advice. They have a child who... Uh, they say, went off the derech, but not losing from kai, went off the derech by going in the opposite direction. Now just wants to sit and learn, doesn't want to work, and so on and so forth. <laughs> doesn't see the value of working. Ask for advice. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you pay for their cell phone and their, they have your credit card, and are you buying their clothing? Yeah. I said, and, and I said, did you challenge them that they need to work because they need an income, that you're not pre- prepared to, to support them? Yes. But their answer is, Hashem will provide. Hashem will provide. Mm-hmm. So they're changing the whole trajectory and the track of their life because Hashem will provide. I said, good. I'll tell you how you educate them very quickly. Turn off their cell phone. Call the cell phone company and say, you're not paying the bill. And take away the credit card. You're no longer paying that bill. And if you're paying for the car and the registration of the gas and the insurance, take the car back. And, do, and, and you can give a very overnight lesson about whether Hashem is providing or not. Yeah. Hashem does provide to those who... You know, the biggest skula is for Parnassa is to have a job. That's the biggest school there is for Parnassah. Hashem will provide. We have to take our initiative and we have to get the job. So, on the one hand, Mitzuvah Ha'adam Lehishtadel. We're not in the Gan Eden anymore. That young man wants to think he's in Gan Eden. But Adam is out of Gan Eden. We were expelled. We were exiled. That, that, that horse is out of the gate, whatever the expression is. That's over. Adam's out of Gan Eden. This kid can want to get back into Gan Eden, and there are communities of such kids who want to get back into Gan Eden. Hashem will provide. But, Mitzuvah Adam, this is Ravoba. Ravoba is a pretty religious rabbi. Mitzuvah Adam, there is a mitzvah. Mitzuvah, we are commanded to make an effort when it comes to our Parnasa. But, So we make the effort, but then we shouldn't trust in it. Our, our responsibility is to make the effort, but then not to trust in it. It's kind of paradoxical. Two opposites in one idea. It's paradoxical. I'm supposed to, on the one hand, believe that I'm obligated to make an effort, but at the same time accept that the success may or may not come from my effort. I've shared this many times before also that my brother-in-law is a lawyer in Israel, tells me all the time that whenever he tries to network to bring in business, for his legal practice, he always, always finds that when he exerts the effort to network, he takes the initiative to be a rainmaker, he's able to bring in business, and it's almost always not business from the effort that he made. 
So I'll fly to New York and set up 10 meetings and I'll get back to Israel. And none of those 10 meetings led to anything. But 10 other people called him of old business he did or someone else knew or recommended him. And he sees the correlation between the initiative he's taking and the results he's getting in that he needs to take initiative for Hashem to provide results. But that's where the correlation stops. The initiative actually is not what's bringing the results. That's exactly what Revolba is describing here. It's exactly what he's describing. Hashem says, you're mechuyev, you're metzuvah to take initiative. Don't sit back fatalistically. Don't sit back with a sense of entitlement like I'm going to provide. You have to take initiative. We're outside Gan Eden. Adam Arishon, We have to take initiative. That's our job. But at the same time, then we have to stop and realize whether I'll have success or not will not come from my initiative. Shem can make the success come from somewhere else altogether. He can make the initiative fail and flop right on its face. The avoda of bitachon is to do hishtablis. If I really trust that Hashem will provide, but Hashem says that the way to get it is through hishtablis, then I have to do my hishtablis. I gave you this example last time or two times ago, that the person, I still think they haven't collected their $1.5 billion lottery winnings, they have the ticket. So in other words, there's a billion and a half dollars waiting for a family that will change their family forever and ever that they can use to change the world in enormous ways. But they don't have the money yet. Why? They can't find the ticket. Because you've got to turn the ticket. You've got to turn the ticket in order to get it. I used this, no, I used it in another context about tefillah. So the same thing is true here. Turning in the ticket is the initiative. You have to have bitachon that Hashem's giving you the $1.5 billion. But if you don't turn in the ticket, He can't give it to you. He has it. And He's ready to give it. And He wants to give it. But he doesn't give it the access, the key to getting it, the key, literally and figuratively, is hishtadlis. This guy with the ticket. So why doesn't he say, why do I have to bring you in the ticket? Just transfer the money to my account. I won. I won. I sit at home on my couch. I got the winning numbers. So just transfer the money to my account. Wire me the money. Why do I have to turn in the ticket? What's the answer? Moron. Everybody the winnings the are waiting thing. for you. <laughs> you have to do the hishtadlis. That's what my brother-in-law is saying. I know new business is waiting for me. The cost of getting that new business is networking and taking some initiative. Will that initiative be that which brings in the new business? Maybe, maybe not. But the cost of bringing in new business is taking initiative. So that's what he's saying. The Chovas Halavavas is saying, hishtadlis parnasay chiv. This is the avoda of bitachon. It's amazing. No, the avoda of bitachon is hishtadlis. What do you mean? Ishtadlis is the opposite of Bitachon. No, it's not. If you understand that Kosh Baruch designed the world after we left Gan Eden, then you understand that Ishtadlis is not the opposite of Bitachon. It is part and parcel. Is turning in the ticket the opposite of receiving the winnings? It is the means to receive the winnings. So the way to, to draw from the Bitachon of what Hashem has in store for us is by showing that initiative. Like you need to have a keli to get the Correct. It means the keli to accept it. Lishtadl, the vessel to accept it. Lishtadl, mm-hmm. to realize that everything depends and relies entirely and exclusively on His will. And the way to access His will is to show Him that we're willing to take and we're willing to make an effort as well. All right, Mr. Shem, we'll pick up from here next week.